Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson, and Psalm 119, verse 34, is the passage that best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the, t- the sacred text and do my best to help myself and others understand it. This is a continuation of the study in the Gospel according to Matthew. In the first uh, episode, we considered Jesus the King, and we considered the genealogy of Jesus and the uh, birth announcement of Jesus by the angel to Joseph. And in this particular episode, we're going to be looking at the birth of Jesus in more detail so that we can grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. The design of this particular series on Matthew is to get into a reading of the text and bless those who like listening to the Word of God being read, and then also a somewhat short, brief breakdown of the context of the uh, units of Scripture within that particular chapter, and then look at um, the main ideas that the, the Matthew uh, that the writer Matthew is giving to his uh, initial readers. I shared this information last time, and I'll continue to do this because I think it's key to the uh, effort that I'm trying to put forth here in keeping um, the main thing the main thing in the study of, of Matthew. Matthew is the gospel written by a Jew to Jews about a Jew. Matthew is the writer. His countrymen are the readers, and Jesus Christ is the subject. Matthew's design is to print is to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah, and he certainly does that in a number of different ways. If you would join me at Matthew chapter two, I'll be reading verses one through twenty-three, the whole chapter. Matthew chapter two, verses one through twenty-three, and as usual, as usual, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the child was, the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, 
Take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the child, the young child, and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. The birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 relates to us the homage paid, the worship that was paid to baby Jesus by the wise men. Matthew 2, verses 13 through 18, records the hatred of a king, Herod, against the king, baby Jesus. And Matthew 2, 19 through 23, reveals the humility of the king, Jesus Christ. Let's consider these three ideas from Matthew 2. Verses 1 through 12 relate to us that Oriental Gentile astrologers who studied stars and sought to understand the times made a trip from the east. They had been led by God to pay homage and worship to the newborn king. We don't know how many there were or their names. Many Gentile people would have been influenced by the prophesying of Daniel in Babylon several hundred years before, perhaps even the ancestors of these men. We need to evaluate these three principles that the wise men exhibited in coming to see Jesus. Consider these with, with, these with me. One, they followed the light that God gave them, verses 1 and 2. We need to follow God's light, don't we? Two, they confirmed their steps by the word of God, and they obeyed God without question. Verses 3 through 6 and verse 12 tells us the same thing, that later after they saw baby Jesus, they were divinely warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They directed their steps by the word of God. They obeyed God without question. Note that Matthew says the prophet Micah foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day confirmed that. Look at verse 5 and 6. 
So the, the wise men, these Gentile, these Oriental Gentile astrologers, they magi is the Greek word. They come and at the direction of God and seeing his star in the east, they came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the baby Jesus. They bow down and give him gifts in respect and homage. And then the text tells us that when Herod gathers the religious leaders together, he inquires about where Messiah is to be born, and they give him the right Bible answer, verses 5 and 6. They confirm that that's what the passages of the Old Testament said, and that's what they believe. Let me ask this question. This is something that I don't know if I had thought about in a long time or ever until recent times, and I want you to consider How could Jesus manipulate the place where he would be born? Well, he couldn't. He could not manipulate it. He was but a baby. But nonetheless, it shows the hand of God in not only foretelling where Messiah would be born, but by having Matthew, the prophet and apostle, to pinpoint that this was the fulfillment of that passage of Scripture. Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. And it shows the genuineness and the realness and the truthfulness of those prophecies that Jesus could not manipulate them. Certainly not the one regarding where he would be born. Verses 13 through 18 records the hatred of a king, Herod, against the king. As soon as God was bringing his plan to fruition by sending his son into the world, Satan tried to destroy Jesus just after he was born. An angel of the Lord appeared and told Joseph to take baby Jesus and his mother and flee to Egypt. God protected his son, folks. And when the time was right, he called his son out of Egypt, just as he had called his son Israel out of Egypt many years before. You can consider that from the Old Testament book of Exodus. I think it's chapter 2, verse 15. No, I'm sorry. Let me get it right here. Hosea 11.1 1 would be a passage that teaches that concept. And then Exodus chapter 2 and following is the historical account of God calling his son Egypt, (laughs) pardon me, his son Israel out of Egypt many years before. Just as then there are evil leaders, political leaders, who promote babies being murdered. Herod had babies murdered, slaughtered out of jealous fear. It's always right to do right. It's always wrong to do wrong, no matter the circumstances. According to Proverbs 6.17, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Unfortunately, Herod hated Jesus 
Many hated Jesus in his time, and many hate him today. Nothing new. Nothing new. Matthew 2, 13-18 is a sad narrative, but yet it's a beautiful narrative that reminds us that God took care of his son, and God takes care of his people. Now let's look at 19 through 23 together. Verses 19 through 23. These verses reveal the humility of the King Jesus. Remember, keep in mind what I started out with in this entire study was that Matthew is trying to present Jesus as the King of the Jews, the long-awaited Messiah. So in these passages, verses 19 through 22, 23, rather, Matthew reveals the humility of that king. God, through Joseph's good sense and God's affirmation, protected baby Jesus and eventually moved the family to Nazareth. Nazareth was a little nobody town. And that Jesus would be reared in this little nobody town was spoken of by the prophets plural. Now, there is no particular verse that specifically, explicitly says this. The word Nazareth probably relates to the Hebrew word Netzer, which means branch, which is a name in the prophets for Messiah. Isaiah 11.1, 1, Jeremiah 23.5, Zechariah 3.8, Zechariah 6.12, and so forth. Now, John chapter 1, verse 46, quick reading of this passage, tells us that people of the first century looked down on Nazareth. Nathanael said to Jesus, Can anything, or to Philip rather, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Nazareth was, it seems, a despised community. And since it was such, he is growing up there, Jesus. It points to how he was like a lowly branch. Of course, that lowly branch, that man, that baby who grew up to be a man, learned humility in growing up. He learned the word of God in growing up. He learned to love his Father in heaven. And he did. He depended upon him. But one day the branch would blossom with great glory. And what I think here is that the prophets collectively spoke of Jesus' humble beginnings and his despised life. And that's what Matthew had in mind when he wrote Matthew 2, 23. This is a question that often, often gets asked. What verse in the Old Testament says that he would be called a Nazarene? Again, I think it has to do with him being from a nobody town, from a place of lowliness and humility and insignificance. And if you'll journey with me for just a moment, I'm going to share some passages from the prophets that I think point to this. Isaiah 53, verses 2 and 3. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or appearance. And when we see him, there's no beauty, no appearance or splendor. 
that we should desire him. He was despised, or he is despised rather, and rejected, the idea is forsaken, by men, a man of sorrows, a man of pains, and acquainted with grief, with sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Humble beginnings, humble life. Psalm 22, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, uh, one of my favorite psalms, is a good example of the prophets, the old, the old Testament writers, the Old Covenant writers, speaking of Jesus and his humble beginnings and his despised life. Psalm 22, verse uh, number 6, David wrote, I am a worm and no man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. You see, the people who opposed David and opposed God despised the life of David. And there are other passages from the prophets that indicate this, Zechariah 11, 12, and 13. So our Lord grew up from humble beginnings, and I do believe that we can agree that he grew up and he blossomed with great glory as the Father wanted him to. And I think these are three uh, things that we can gather from Matthew 2. Thoughts, things we can learn. We need to pay homage to King Jesus. Obviously not to baby Jesus. He didn't remain a baby. But to the God-man, King Jesus. And we are wise, not in the ways of astrology or the ways of the world, but we are wise with God's wisdom when we pay homage to His Son and we listen to His Son. And we're reminded that there are people in the world and always will be, always have been, who hate the king and will even try to kill him, remove him from public things and from the minds and hearts of people. It's going to happen. God's not going to allow his son and his gospel to be eradicated from the earth. I do not believe that for one moment because truly the word of God cannot be chained it can't be it can't be eradicated it cannot the word of god is not chained paul wrote second timothy 2 verse 9 finally it reveals that our lord the king was humble he knew his role and he knew his position he knew his purpose. He knew his work. And he grew up in a, in a, in a as I've said, little, quote-unquote, nobody town. But yet he grew up to be what God wanted him to be. And I think there's even a principle in that for us. We need to grow up, learn humility, learn our proper place, learn our proper role, that we are made in God's image, that we are made to serve Him and glorify Him. And as His children, spiritually, we've been born again. We've been saved and redeemed 
and we have been purchased. We have been bought at a price, so we are to glorify God with our bodies and with our spirits, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, which are God's. As a child of God, I am uniquely, as a Christian, uniquely God's person. And I need to know my role, as did my Lord and Savior and King Jesus Christ. And he grew up, and he, though started out as a lowly branch, he did blossom with great glory, not because he lifted himself up uh, with pride or arrogance. No, we know that but because he humbled himself in the sight of Almighty God and he committed himself to his Father in heaven. And though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him, Hebrews 5, 8, and 9. And yet another passage that I love from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, or excuse me, verses 5 and 6, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And I can think of a number of verses. One other, James 4 Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And certainly the Father lifted up the Son, not only to die on the cross, but to be the example that we might serve him, that we might pattern our lives after the life of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 teaches this concept. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, where to follow the mindset of Jesus Christ. And I believe all that, in principle, is here in Matthew 2, in the birth of Jesus. And what I think it would have told the people of Matthew's day, it would have reminded them of, if if any of the original recipients had heard or had seen Jesus and or heard Jesus or heard him through the apostles and others, they would have been reminded, they would have been taught and or reminded that Jesus deserves to be worshipped and honored and that there are people who will oppose God's Son, the King. But our, our King, Jesus Christ, was humble and he was protected by his father, and he was ta- he was taken care of, and he did the will of God. He blossomed with great glory, and the prophet spoke of this regarding Messiah. And truly, when the people of Matthew's day would read his gospel account, they would be they would be they would be educated and reminded: Jesus is Messiah. He is the long-awaited King. And they needed to check out these passages from the Old Testament. They needed to check out and examine closely the life of Jesus. And that's exactly what the kind of opportunity Matthew was providing for them in writing this glorious account of the gospel. I hope you've gotten something out of this that was beneficial to you. And look for future episodes as we march through the gospel according to Matthew. This is the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. 
If this has blessed you in any way, I ask that you go and you share this online. I currently serve as an evangelist with the Washington Avenue Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And if you're ever in the Jonesboro area, we would love for you to come and visit us and be with us when we meet together to study God's Word and worship God. We meet on Sundays at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m. Those are all Central Time. And on Wednesday night for Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located at 2001 West Washington Avenue here in Jonesboro. God bless, and I will catch you again next time.